I have no idea what's happening today. We've been getting it from both sides. <laughs> got got an extra helping of corn today. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> it's not been a great day. Not been a great week for it's some. It's gonna folks. be a great. It is a great day. We're on the right side of the grass. It's all good. <laughs> it's just challenging. Well, we're doing season one, episode 14. This well, is the yeah, top five challenges for buyers in the current market, and it is a challenge. Big time. Buyers, beware. Um, we're going to be talking about um, some top fives in regards to those challenges, but you know how we'll riff off of all of those and add, add to the list of that, too. Well, if we, you know, COVID was crazy, right? And I wasn't yeah. in it then, but... I kind of heard the anecdotes from other people, but now I'm in it and we're kind of having this like micro, you know, frenzy, micro (laughs) frenzy again. And it's, it's terrible and it's really challenging for agents and it's confusing because it's different. It's not 2008. There's no crash. There's no people frantically trying to sell. The buyers are trying to buy and you're just trying to help them. And it's just, there's no inventory. So what are we doing? So, you know, and a lot of times you've got folks there that have purchased before. They're not first time home buyers, but maybe they're entering the market again after a decade or more or less. And what they're seeing, their observation, I often hear from the more experienced buyers that are in the market that I'm not going to compete with all this crisis buying. And I don't know that it's crisis. So I want to talk, I mean, maybe we're acting panicked because there's urgency and you have to act fast with delayed negotiations that are increasingly shortened, et cetera, and all those things with timeframes and things like that. But I think one thing that we all need to remember, no matter where you are, where you're at in the business on the real estate agency side, or as a buyer, as a seller, there's always going to be people buying and selling homes. Out of necessity, right. not because the interest rate's super low, like we're not right now, not because it's cute or fun or exciting, but there is death and diapers and divorce that yeah. still happens. I was just going to say that if you weren't going to hit it, I was going <laughs> to gonna say it. I think we had another D at one point, but I can't remember what it was. It'll come know. up. <laughs> um, you know, you've got people changing jobs, changing locations. Life still continues to happen no matter what's going on in the market. And so that is making sure that... Out of necessity, people are selling and buying homes. And so when you're caught up in on the buy side, and that's really kind of what we're talking about today, the challenges for the buyers specifically, um, up against multiple offers and low inventory with all the strategies that you have to employ and what you've got to expect, I think that um, you got to be careful of buyer burnout. 
Yeah, that's it's very difficult, and it's stressful too because if, especially if you're going for a house as a buyer and you keep getting turned down, then you start asking yourself, uh, "What am I doing wrong?" And it's not necessarily anything they're doing wrong, right? And that's number one. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just there's a lot of folks out there trying to buy a house, and not a lot of folks trying to sell their house, right? For a number of reasons, right? You know, and. Well, we hear the springtime sellers market, you know, or the listing market, right? Sure. You know, all these listings are supposed to supposed to come up. That's the <laughs> seasonality of real estate because They're creeping no one, a little bit, especially in the Northeast. It's different everywhere, but right. you know, and Kevin, you said that the seasonality is actually reversed in Florida because there's no humidity in the winter. Yeah, everybody, nobody wants to move when it's the humid, hot summer. Right, just like nobody wants to move in the cold winter here. No one wants to drive a moving truck in the winter. Mm-hmm. And so spring is the selling season traditionally. But for some reason, it's not It's not happening. Mm-hmm. And so that's created this micro frenzy, I called it earlier. You know, we were speaking off mic, and it's like this is a micro frenzy. And, and oh, it's, yeah. we're back to where people are just willing to pay whatever to get there to get the house. And, you know, market conditions change when collectively the buyers or or sellers, whoever, right? Whatever group of folks finally say, you know what, we've had it. And they stop. Mm-hmm. And then houses start sitting on the market. Yeah. And that's when things stop start changing. But it hasn't happened. No. And I think, you know, if you're in our region and the Glow region, Jesse County, Livingston, Orleans and Wyoming counties and in between um Rochester and Buffalo, the Erie and Monroe, Monroe counties, they're all got their little microclimates going on in regards to what's going on in the market. But yeah. I think really what we're going to talk about today is what we're seeing quite locally, um, specific to the Glow region. And what we're seeing is that while a few more listings are coming on, <laughs> if, few, you're, if you're working with buyers right now, and you know, I, I think we've spoken to this in the past, I always keep a short list of about 10 buyers going because after that, because of the labor intensity of it, especially in a market like this, you want to continue to give your all to your clients. And if you spread yourself too thin, you can't react and coach them in the way in, that you have to, to win offers in this market. But then you start realizing you're showing the same houses with clients whose um, needs are kind of um, doubling over and um, similar overlapping. Yeah, they're yep. overlapping, yep. and you know, so it's nice in a way to be able to say, "Yeah, I showed that. It wasn't a good fit for this one client. It might be for you, and this is why." But I was laughing last night. Um, Josh and Lauren were here in the office. I said, "I'm going to show a client, the same client, three different houses." in a five mile radius. And that quite frankly, hasn't happened in two years. It could be that I'm showing them multiple houses on a day in different areas that are disparately different because of the inventory being so low. But now all of a sudden we've got some of these homes that are checking the boxes for the first time home buyers and uh, folks that are new to the area. Um, or folks that are downsizing. It's kind of like checking. It's kind of this cross hybridization of homes that check many boxes. And so we're all running around like crazy. And so I think we've got to, one of the the pep talks I've been giving buyers this week is before we jump into the crazy and we exhaust ourselves um, and the buyers, again, buyer burnout, we have to, what were my new rules, Josh, the other day, laser focus specific. your budget and your area for starters. Now we know we've already gone through the inventory intake with you of what your wants and desires are for your house. 
the perfect number of bedrooms, bathrooms, all of that. And so we've also talked about on this podcast where, you know, maybe we're in a more balanced market, 90% of your box is being checked get you to the point where you should be putting an offer in. Right. But now we're like 75, 80, depending on what your time frame is and when you simply need to be in the new home. If you need to be in the new home, you have to understand that you've got some buyers out there that were or are sellers at the same time. So once they go under contract on their home, now they've got to get somewhere. So yeah. again, there's another good example of people out of necessity. That's why you can't, a strategy is not taking everything and throwing it on the wall like spaghetti and hoping it sticks. Unless you, and (laughs) we've spoke about this, right? And it's, there's different strategies, right? And usually that strategy that you're talking about is, is reserved for investors. Investors that, you know, say, it'd be nice to have the house, but I don't need it. And they're still out there, too, is your competition. They are. And they're still competing for these. Some of them are changing strategies from multi to single family. You know, they're transitioning as investors get older. Maybe they don't want to deal with the tenant issues. So they opt for single families instead of multifamilies. So now they're crowding your space. Yeah. For the first time home buyers. And sometimes they're cash. And there we go again. Yeah, because they've been in it for a while and they've got the hoard, you know. And so if you got a three bed, two bath, 15 to 1800 square feet in our area, you've got the gold. Yeah, for sure. Right. (laughs) And so it's really important, like you said, to be super specific. But I I think I want to add to that and say, prioritize your specifics. You want to say, okay, so I'm, I'm super set on being in this area. But I will be flexible on price. Yes. Right? Because if your top is... There's a yeah, but. Yep. yep. So I'm super specific in this area. I want to be in this area. I'm willing to flex on price. How much? Okay. Because we need to know. Mm-hmm. Up front. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm super specific on area and bedrooms. Bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. That's fine. We can work with this. Mm-hmm. But you can't be super specific with... Area, price, <laughs> bedrooms, it, it gets to be too much. Land, cheap, land, space. Cheap, fast, good. Pick, pick, pick two. Pick two. You, you can't get it all. Right. You know, not in this market. No. And so, and that's where it's really tough, and that's where we're having to explain, right? Over and over again. And I think buyers, and again, and this is the point of the podcast, and the point of us working with you, and the point of buyers working with an agent so that we are having this coaching educational conversation all the time. I can tell you it's happening in every brokerage, in every market in the country. I can tell you in our brokerage meetings, at our senior advisor meetings, we're talking about all of that. That maintain the optimism. Yeah. In in maintain the enthusiasm, but be protective of your client and be educational and forthcoming with the information that agents have about the market so you're not burning out and you're not burning your agent out because we're running around trying to do do the very best we can to put in the best offer that you are capable of putting in. Um, sometimes you have to put those blinders on in the race and not look at you know side to side what everyone else is doing. But a lot of times when your agent is loud and clear telling you something like, don't put your hand in that meat grinder, they're really truly trying to save you from that agony of that. There's there's a reason why you work with an agent. There's so, You hear all the time, well, you never know. Yeah. Eh. 
That strategy is, again, <laughs> reserved for you have a place to live, you don't need to sell, you're not contingent, yeah. and it would be nice to have. Yeah. But a lot of the people that you know we're dealing with now, and I've said before that maybe the high interest rates are a great opportunity for the first-time home buyers because interest rates are temporary, but your house can be more a little bit more permanent. Marry the house, not the mortgage. Date the rate. Yeah, date the rate. You know, <laughs> marry all, the house. All the parallels, yeah. Exactly. But when we're talking about low inventory, and we're going to try and stay on task here with our five and then expand from that, we are still, guys, in low inventory. We are still in the seller's market. So when, you know, a lot of times our our buyer clients will come to us or any of the public in general, sellers too. Why are we where we are? Well, we're still in low inventory, reminiscent of 18 months ago. Um, Like I mentioned a little bit ago, and Josh was saying too, we're seeing some more um, homes point, come up. 1.3? Was it 1.3 months inventory? Yeah. I think is what we said. And, you know, and it varies from area to area. And I think that's what our area is seeing, which is incredibly low. Incredibly low. Yes. Y- you know, I mean, yeah, COVID era saw unprecedentedly low inventories, but 1.3 months inventory is, you know, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, 1.3 months of inventory. If we didn't take another listing, it, we with the current levels, we would sell all the houses in just 1.3 months. Boom, done. You know, a little under 45 days. So yes, that should clue everybody into the fact that yes, we are in a housing shortage. Far more buyers and people coming in and out of areas that need homes than what is available. So when a listing comes on, it's like oh. Everybody knows what's going on. I mean, how many listings are available in yeah, Orleans or- County? Orleans <laughs> County. I just looked it up. Orleans County, New York, 40 listings. So In the that, entire county. And 150 seems to be about the sweet spot for first-time home buyers. And that's where we're all looking. And that's where everybody's 150 looking. 150 to 200. 150. is 22. 22 homes in all of a county. All of a county. And, and Genesee County is less. Yeah, what, uh, what, 26, 29? Well, um, maybe, we're, maybe we're up to that now. Okay. Because maybe we've got some city homes. Weeks. Yeah, but it's, it's you. everybody kind of knows what house you're talking about. You don't have to say, well, which one? Rose, yeah, Rose Road. <laughs> oh, oh no. which, yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed it five times this week. The I one mean, for 100 or 140, which yeah, one? <laughs> we know. And, and so, yes, we're still in low inventory, and that is what is driving prices. So yeah. some folks will say, and I want to dive into this. Some folks will say, well, the prices are still really high. They are. They're not coming down, okay? It's, because it's still a seller's market where... A little bit, but not not in the... You're not crashing. There's no, no crashing. And if they were coming down, you may see... Here's another thing, right? Is we're seeing low list prices, but then they get right back up there because there's low inventory. Precisely. And people frenzy it right up. Yes. So and I really, want, we've not done anything. Exactly. So that, that's where I want to dive deep. Sometimes people see the list price and they're like, that's really, really high. But that's kind of where we are, guys. Now, I hate the phrase, the new normal. But that is where we are. Except pad agents, list price to sales price numbers. So there's that too, okay? <laughs> so you're seeing things... Because that like- is a metric we do track. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an indication of you know the competition out there sometimes is the list price to sales price. Sale yes. price. So we listed at 100 and it sells for 115 You know, you're at 115%. You know, yeah, list you. price to, right? And so there you go. And where that's really impacting buyers and what we're seeing a lot is that they're super frustrated. Well, because they think they have a, a shot. So if a seller if a seller requests of their listing agent, you know, because the seller at the end of the day determines the list price, guys. 
period. So when you get mad about the list price that you think are really high or you think they're really low, that seller signs off on that. The agent has done, should have done, the CMA and comparative market analysis to derive data to present a range to the seller. At the end of the day, the seller determines that list price. Now, when you see things that are really high, you know, sometimes, you know, it depends on price, condition, location, all those things. And what you see in the photos online, you need to go and look at the house in person. But it's not, there's a lot of niche listings out there too. Cool. So you might see the house, but did you know there's 10 acres with a barn and all of that? That's why it's priced at what it's priced at. And I don't want to insult anybody, but this is a theory, right? It's called a theory. It's called the greater fool theory. And they use it in investing too. And, and I'm talking about stock investing. It's called the three greater fool theory is that I'm just going to list it here and, you know, somebody, a greater fool than the other person will come along and say, yeah, I'll give you that much money for it. And that determines the market value. It takes one person to say, yes, for me, that's worth it for me. I will, I'm willing to purchase that property at that level. And that there it is. Now, I always tell buyers when we're out there, I won't pay this for that. I said, well, you don't have to and don't feel bad for the house because right. the house is going to, the house is going to sell. Okay. So don't feel bad. Part. So it's going to sell, but it doesn't mean that you need to be the buyer. Um, on the other hand of things that I'm seeing where people are still arguing about list price and they're so high again, on average guys, I don't see that coming down. You know, first time home buyers, I remember two years ago, we were like, Never thought that was going to be like the 100 to 125 range. Well, guess what? You can't even find a house for around 100 to 125. And yeah. it's even changed since then. Is that working plumbing? Yeah, right. I, I feel like the new first-time homebuyer range is 125 up to 200. You know, it's really 150 yeah. to 200. And, and that's a totally different paradigm. That's a shift that we all have to get used to seeing until things change because they're not. Even though the winter kind of dampened things a bit, there was low inventory, things were sitting a little bit, I think we have evidence now to see that that was seasonal. Um, the other thing I'm seeing with prices, to balance the high prices, you see really low prices and you wonder if that's intentional. Strategy. So, you know, what really is frustrating to the buyers on that is, okay, well, here's this house listed and it's in my range of, you know, where I'm going, right. you know, I'm approved at this level, but I'd rather buy at this level and it's right there. Can we go see it? And so obviously when you're representing the buyer, you look up that listing, you learn more about it before you get to the showing, you're running comparables and gutturally most of the time I'm seeing specifically this week in the last month you know that house is going to sell higher. So then you have to convince your buyer, well, yes, it's listed there right now, and this is the assessment, and I've run the comparables and other homes similar in the area because there aren't lots of comparables when we're in low inventory. This is where we are, but I think it's going to sell higher. And they're like, well, then why would they do that? Because you also have to talk to your buyer before you even go to the showing to say, We'll go look at it, and yeah. we'll be we will make the determination when we're there as to the value for you. But you also have to be prepared to maybe be in a bidding war, employ an escalation clause. Are you, how how high when we're looking at that home, Mister Buyer, Mrs. Buyer? You need to think. Here's the list price, but how much is the home worth to me? Yep. And that's where buyers are like, but then but then why that why is that happening? Because it's really baiting. It's baiting the trap of, I'm going to get in there and you're telling me I can't afford this house even though it's right in my list price. Yeah. Homes, how do you coach through that, Josh? Homes are about getting people in there to see it. And how do you get people in there to see it? 
put it in people's price range. And there are common price ranges. There are reasons why people, you know, they do the one twenty four nine nine. They do All the, the time. All day long. One ninety nine nine. One ninety nine nine because it's just under two hundred, and it's going to show up in your search. And you're when you're say, qualified oh. up to two hundred, right. and so people say. You know, it's not uh, it's not the sales technique. We're going to put it out there for a high price, and then we'll be you know prepare to bid down. Yeah, we're deductive out, reasoning we're doesn't work here. We're going to put it out here. there. We're going to put it out there at a lower price. Get twenty people through the door, eighty people through the door, mm-hmm. and we're going to get fifteen people to sock it out in the yes. you know in the offers. And we're going to go back and forth, and highest highest bidder, best terms wins. Yes, and then. <laughs> So price is the deal. So you're looking at listing price. You're going to see high prices, but you're also going to see right priced. And even when you do all of the work and the comparative market analysis with the data to really determine what is the fair price for that house and the seller agrees to that, it's still the emotional power of the market right now where folks are saying, okay, I'd love to acquire it at that list price, but I know darn well it's going to go higher. So then all of a sudden you've got the frenzy again. I'm doing it today. Yeah. I'm going. And you yeah. go in, you know, you've got a listing that you're collecting multiple offers on and they've all come in at the similar at list price. You've got that outlier that came in low. We'll talk about low balling in a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, you've got, I'll give an example of a recent listing that I just took offers on, delayed negotiations a week. We did the open house, had good activity, but I had to, I have to admit, I thought we'd have more private showings. People did come to the open house. I ended up, you know, in the 11th hour, what's up with everybody waiting until 11.59 a.m. when offers are due at 12, but I guess we all do it. What did I say though? You know, <laughs> element of surprise though. Element of surprise it's, so that well, we see what we get. And it's the element of surprise and we <laughs> talked about it. And I think it. I think there is some degree of that. I don't know how you feel about it, but we all act on, we all try to act on the right side of things. Oh yeah. Right. But yeah. there is always a dark side to every, every industry. And so yeah, if you, okay, I'm going to go see this house. I'm going to put an offer in right immediately, but offers aren't due until two days. Right. So someone comes in with another offer. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not the one that puts the offer in first either, but maybe not 11.59 a.m. No. But it's due at 12. But maybe someone <laughs> says, crazy maybe someone says something too much and yep. lets a little something out. Good point. And then all of a sudden someone else knows what the high high bid is. Oh, I can beat that by $1,000. And that's what and they do. you lose the house by $1,000? Are you kidding me? I know. So you've got all that going on, and you're collecting offers, and everybody comes in. That's where I'm seeing people. That's where I'm seeing a little bit of a difference on the list side. Whereas before, in the previous market that was seller's market on steroids, which we're, we're back in mini season of that, I, I believe, but when we were seller's market on steroids, folks were going in above list price and then escalating up to God's country. Okay. So now they're like, no, I'm coming at list price because maybe our prices are a little more reasonably priced and they are a little higher, but they're coming in right at list price. So they demonstrate the fact that, yeah, I know I've got to go to list, but then they have this skyrocketed escalation and you've got multiple offers and always assume you're not going to be the only one employing an escalation clause. And you have to check the listing to make sure they're accepting the escalation clauses. But you've got to be fast and quick about all of this. You have to really right. do your math. Um, so price is a big deal. 
so when your agent's telling you it's listed at 175, but I have a I have a feeling it's going to go to 190, 195. Wow. When we go and look at that home, you have to put in your head. Again, we don't have a crystal ball. One of our favorite sayings, but. When I then follow up with the listing agent, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer, to ask them what the activity on the home is, how many showings have there been, how many people came to the open house, do they have any offers in hand yet, and what are they expecting, they're going to tell me what they can tell me. They can't tell me a whole lot, depending on where we're at in the process and how we're looking down the, the barrel to the delayed negotiation deadline. But if they're saying, yeah, I got a lot of activity, that means it's priced attractively and someone's going to go up and over. And now you've got to turn to your buyer and say, how high are you willing to go if this is really the house you want? And, and don't taking, you dare lowball it. And we all have, you know, old car, right? You know, we got to act in honesty to our customers. And if we're not fiduciarily connected, then I am a customer of another agent. So we're trusting that they're being truthful and not just puffing. Is yeah. what we call it, you we, know. Yeah, yeah, we got we got a lot of traffic. You know, come on through, but you know, we it's steady. Yeah, okay, okay. Great. Well, you be know, speci- again, be specific. My <laughs> other one is, you know, you just go see a house. Hey, I just got an offer in hand. You know, yeah, make sure. You- Thanks whatever, for telling me. What do you got? <laughs> Five minutes after I get out of the house, you got an offer? You got an offer? It's a strategy. It's a, I get it. I get it. It's annoying. I get it. <laughs> so that's part of the thing that when we're working with buyers and they're like, well, I want to go see it because it's in my price range. Then we get there and we're like, okay. Even the buyers are kind of learning a little bit more now. Like, this is underpriced. It's going to go higher. And now I realize that I've seen it in person. Pictures sometimes tell a different story and vice versa when you get into that in-person showing. But then they get there. I had clients last night. They're like, this is going to go at least 20 over at the list price right now. Yeah, could be, could be not. So what I have to ask my buyers all the time is, are you going to be more disappointed that you didn't put an offer in and didn't try? And put in your best offer, or you'd be more disappointed that, you know, you did and it didn't work out. You know, as long as you're in in the range, you can't lowball it. You got to at least, you shouldn't be looking at the home if you weren't interested in at least going at list price. The best you can do is the best you can do. If you put in the best offer that you can, that's within the price range, that's it. You know, if it's, you know, slated to think you're going to go above. If you've put in at least ask and then try and try, you know, you've done all you can do. And your escalation shouldn't be so disparate from your, your base offer, in my opinion. And I know everybody. Can we dig into that a little bit? Absolutely. Because what are you actually, what are you actually saying here? You know, when you put in an offer and you put in an escalation clause, you're saying don't make your escalation, what, 20, 30,000? It really depends. I, First I of all, I think it depends on what the list price is. What, okay. what level of house are we at? Right. Okay. So I'm going to use an example of a house of list price about 175. Got okay. It. Got it. So, you know, 175 is a really, and I'm using that particular number because that's, that's in the sweet spot of these 150 to 200 qualifiers that we're seeing some of these houses come on the market right now. And so there's a broad range of buyers qualified or willing to purchase in their budget in that range. And so when they see 175 or something under 200, people are jumping up and down. Right. So they go and it gets the traffic and they go and see it. And so, all right, your, your client's totally psyched and they want to put an offer in and they're qualified for a certain level, their budget's something else. And they've maybe got some tools in the toolbox to play with with their offer. But surely everybody would love to get it for the 175. So they go in at 175, and that's great. But they don't want to lose it. 
if they don't, you know, if they're not the highest and most competitive offer. So they might employ something called the escalation clause and escalation clause. We've talked about that on the show before. Um, that, okay, if I'm not the most competitive offer um, for sales price, I will see that offer and increase my price by an increment of perhaps $1,000 to beat it. And then, you know, I'll, I'll continue to do that to a particular ceiling. Maybe my limit's 200 Yeah. Okay. So you can do that, but if you put in your offer of 175, because you demonstrate right away to the seller when you're writing that offer that 175, you listed that, I see you, and I think it's worth that to me, 175. But I'm willing to escalate to 225. That's a that's a fifty thousand dollar right okay fifty thousand dollar spread two twenty yeah. five on a one hundred seventy five thousand dollar house now if we fifty thousand dollars might be a drop in the bucket on a five hundred thousand dollar house that's a lot of money but it's a lot of money and it's a lot of money that you are saying yeah I'd like to get it at this but I'm willing to go up to there and okay but I don't think that those escalations so, should be so disparate in other words if you are willing to pay. The two twenty-five. Number one, if the home doesn't appraise, because you know the list price is one seventy-five, and we hope that this lister, the the sales professional um, on the list side and the seller didn't lowball it just to get traffic. But you think that they reasonably listed it? They're thinking about the appraisal in mind as well. Has your buyer, have you buyer thought about that? Because if it doesn't appraise and you're lending the money to purchase it, the bank's not going to give it to you. But you're telling that seller, oh, to me, it's worth the two twenty-five, dollars but I still have to loan the money. What happens if your offer is accepted and then we get through bank appraisal and it doesn't appraise? Yeah. You should have the answers to those questions at the time you're submitting the offer. Is there appraisal gap money there? In other words, buyer... If it doesn't appraise at that level, and you said you'd go to 225, and we've gone through all the hoops in comparison to the other offers here, and guess what? Ding, 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 ding. You win for sales price and probably your terms and conditions of inspection, no inspection, and all those things too. But you're saying 225, and now we get through appraisal. You have to know right then and there before you put that offer in, you have to go home with the one that you came with, that... What if it doesn't appraise? You have the money to shell out of pocket to do that because the seller's probably not going to, in this market, want to negotiate down the price. They might. But you have to know that. And one thing that I've learned with these multiple offers recently is they're going in at the list price, but they're escalating to an extraordinary height. When I really think that range should be within, depending on the list price in the, in the house, Ten to fifteen, maybe twenty thousand dollars. Sure. If you were willing to pay twenty two hundred twenty five thousand dollars on a home, demonstrating truly that you want it, maybe you have a hefty down payment and you have a hefty deposit too. Why wouldn't you just go in then at one ninety nine nine or two hundred? Or why wouldn't you go look at a two hundred ten thousand dollar house? Thank you. Right. I mean, because those caliber <laughs> of houses are could be quite different. Yeah, I mean, certainly. You're talking about quarry into granite. <laughs> certainly. The, fin- the finishes are going to be different. Certainly. You're going to have some upgrades. So why are we here doing that? And, and everyone will tell you, well, because we know 175 really means 200. Well, it does as long as all of you out there keep doing that, and right. then we have to keep playing catch-up. So, yep. yes, there is something to that. And we don't have a crystal ball. There's still a lot of emotional stuff involved, and I'll circle back to the fact that some people are buying homes out of necessity. They have to get under contract. They have to be somewhere. They need a roof over their head. Maybe they lost their home. Maybe their home was sold from underneath them. Maybe they've moved. Maybe somebody passed. Right. All these things. And so 
the emotional value is still very much there. If you're the buyer that does, isn't driven by that necessity and you're of, I'm going in at this and I'm not going beyond that, I really, really want the house, then you're going to lose every time. Yeah, and so you... <laughs> you you've got to... You're right. It's, it's, it's such a hard conversation to have with everybody because over and over again, the buyer's like, well, then why it's, if it's really going to sell for 200, why is it listed here? Strategy. And that's, and it works. And that's if, as long as it's working, people are going to keep doing it. Yeah. And it's, and it's fast paced. That's our number three. It's fast paced. These delayed negotiations are back again. So, okay. Offers due at a certain time. On one hand, I really like that because then I can plan and prepare to get my people into the house days in advance of that deadline and we can plan when there isn't delayed negotiations on a home in other words the house is accepting um, offers ongoing yes when they're doing that um, then you you feel like the psychological reverse of panic that you better get in there today because it's due under contract in 30 seconds or less so it's a crapshoot guys in either case you've heard me talk about the three p's all the time patience preparedness and persistence Persistence. Yeah. Preparedness is the biggest. That's this fast-paced market. Is the prequal locked and loaded? Um, do you well, have and it you ready? To, and you talked about knowing the answers to these questions before. Yes. And because it is fast-paced. So if you get your offer, if it's considered, and we're talking about possibly accepting an offer, you need to know you need to know the answers as an agent yes. for your client. So that's not, hold on, let me call them. Yeah, we're moving on. Well, oh, and that's and, and that's yeah. what I will say, and not to be a a hard ass, but it's when you're when you're on the list <laughs> side of that, and so you know, I th- I think people get really frustrated. Well, it was delayed negotiations yesterday at um, you know noon, and it's and, and the listing isn't marked you know uh, under contract yet, and it's really been twelve hours in my life. You have to understand when the offers are due, the listing agent has to go through all of those offers with a fine tooth comb. Yep. You might have some buyers agents that will want to present their offers. We don't see much of that these days. I think if you really want to work on behalf of your buyer, you should be requesting and see what you can do. But a lot of times we're intaking those offers, we're combing through them, we're putting in a spreadsheet, we're, we're laying down all the facts and figures, getting ready to present those to um, your seller. And it takes hours to do that. And part of that due diligence of doing that is calling the buyer's agent and saying, what do you mean by this? Right. Or what are you going to yeah. do about appraisal gap? What is appraisal gap? Okay, let's talk about it. You're going into the wee hours of the evening, still going back and forth, even after you have presented offers to the seller, because now the seller's got questions. So it's a process. So buyers, you have to be patient and, and understand that it's probably going to be a full 24 hours at least before you hear about your offer. And it can go longer than that. Right. So it's stamina. We're talking about a fast-paced market. You have to be prepared. You've got to get your stuff in. You have to have answers. You have to have those conversations with your agent so they're ready to speak on your behalf quickly. The phone rings and they must pick it up. Um, but you've got to have stamina for that too. People are so used to immediate gratification. Well, offers were due at 12, so why isn't marked under contract by five o'clock. It's not feasible. We are working with human beings. And if you didn't have all those answers together with your agent, when you put the offer in, the listing agent has to comb it out of you. I'll tell you what, I don't know if anybody else is any of these agents out here, uh, MLS on your phone, near impossible. So it's not just, we don't have a mobile app. 
you know, in I know in this not day in and good age, detail. We don't have a good mobile app for the MLS where we can access that and flip it to under contract or pending or There's something a process else. Involved. We have to get back to our computer. We have to see. We have to log into our listing or you know and click that button. And don't yeah. assume. Oh, see, they didn't accept an offer. It was overpriced. Right. I can't tell you how many times on the list side when you know it's twenty four hours, thirty six hours, forty eight hours later, and it's still not marked yet because we're waiting on attorney approvals. We're waiting on maybe the home inspection that they're doing immediately. We're not going to stigmatize the listing by prematurely marking it in a status update that falls apart with an attorney approval not coming through or something. You have to be a little patient with all that. And that comes through. Um, People are so quick to judge and so quick to assume that, oh, see, but no, then then you have to say, no, actually, we had six offers and it went over list by $40,000. And so we're just waiting on the attorney approval. Oh, so, you know, (laughs) you know, people get nuts about that stuff. So buyers, you have to you have to work through the agents and have those questions answered. But you should kind of know that already. You have to have a great communication with your agent, and the agent's got to have great communication with the cooperating broker. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're seeing fast-paced markets. You know, you've got to know answers. You've got to have these things sorted out, you know, because communication needs to happen quickly. Are you waiving the home inspection or are you having inspection? Are you having a septic inspection or are you having a a well inspection? Are you waiving that and keeping this and doing that? You better know because here's the other thing I'm seeing. You got to go. It's like the prom. You got to go home with a guy you brought. Okay, because the offer that you put in is the offer that you're presenting. You don't then change the terms and conditions, especially after it's been accepted and whatever. And oh, I got it now. I'm now I'm going to get funny. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. So you've got to understand and not have buyer's remorse. So don't sign up for something and submit an offer that you know you're going to be remorseful about. You don't have the buying power. You're not going to be able to do it. Everybody's going to have egg on their face and not feel so good about it if you can't execute that contract. So again, you've got to really comb it through. I like to work with buyers and develop that offer 48 hours in advance of a delayed negotiation deadline or whenever we're submitting the offer so that you guys have the opportunity to look at that multi-page document over and over again. We make changes. I'm still liaising with the other agent to know where we're at in terms of activity, what we're expecting, what they can disclose, what they cannot. And then I come back to you and say, hey, I know that they already have three offers in hand. One's cash. Yeah, I mean, when we say- You want to make a change? Multi page offers we're talking about maybe like 20 or 30 page offers yes depending on all the contingencies you have and if you go back to our buyer um, episode we talk about you know what the seller's market right now typically they're looking for the cleanest offer possible right. they're, they're concerned about clear to close that's what they want to do likelihood to close yep and that's so, what we want we want likelihood to close we don't want to mess about we want to just accept the offer fulfill the contract yep get to the closing table. That's what everybody wants. And get real. There's a reason why this podcast is called Get Real. Get real about your budget. Because if you know there's a listing at the top of your budget, the tippy top, and you have no wiggle room for negotiation, for an escalation clause, for maybe taking on some of the buyer's costs, like I'll cover the septic inspection, I'll cover the whatever. If you're at the tippy top 
I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. You've got no business going and looking at that house. On a 3-2 ranch with five acres. You just you just really shouldn't. <laughs> and Josh has heard me rant about this all morning, and so have all my clients all week. Stop dangling the candy in front of the baby. You need room for negotiation. So if you know your tip top's 250 then don't go look at the house that's 260 because it doesn't make any sense. Unless all of a sudden you got gift funds from the sky. Right. You know, I'm not saying never, never, but if we don't establish rules, then we don't have exceptions. The exceptions can't be rules. We've got to have rules. So you've got to establish your budget. You've got to know where you've got some padding there. Then you should not even be looking at houses that exceed that budget, knowing that maybe if you're at 250 qualified, but you really want to spend around 225, but for the right house that checks 90% of the boxes, you want to be able to do the escalation clause. But then don't go to the house that's listed at 250, 260. And for the love of God, please do not go to that house and say you're very clever and put in the offer at 220. Don't do it. Don't do it. So not when it stays on the market. If it's been sitting there for a little bit, if you've got information from the listing agent um, that says that perhaps they're open to XYZ, there might be an opportunity there. Remarks said that offers were due at a date and you're a week past that and it's still in the market. Okay, obviously, maybe something's wrong with it. Maybe there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe just people weren't interested in it. The area was different. It's, maybe it's priced wrong. Maybe, maybe it's it one of those things that's sky high price and it's been sitting there and there's a backstory, whatever. But, yep. you know, you just, you have to rely on the information you have or you can totally ignore your agent and you can totally <laughs> ignore the listing agent's advice as well. Do and, and you can go in there and do that and you're going to put your hand in the meat grinder. And again, all we're trying to do is prevent your buyer exhaustion. Yep. We we don't want you to keep doing that, especially if something's been days on the market and you say, well, this is all I can do. Then I don't think we should be looking at this level of house. If we're looking at a $200,000 house and you really know you can only go to 160, we should never be stepping foot in that $200,000 house. Yep. So we're seeing low prices or I'm sorry, low inventory, high prices, fast paced market. And we've already said it, but multiple offers. Oh my God. I we're- mean... Maybe not the level, the it, multitude that we saw before. Depends on where you are. Buffalo Rochester, forget it. I mean, offers on a house in Rochester three Frank, weeks ago. I know Frank has been telling me, you know, 30, 30, 40 offers. Just I don't even crazy. know where one begins to be the architect of that presentation. Because it, the nuances, I mean, uh, you get six offers on something and they all have something different going on. You've got to all keep it in your head. When you get to... 20, 30, 40, 80, where, where would you begin? That's crazy. I just don't, you need a football field to lay all that out and figure it yeah, out. You so. start putting stuff into Excel. Yeah. And well, <laughs> and I do for even, you know, two, three offers for comparative, but right. it's just interesting. So those multiple offers are not just sales price, they're terms and com- conditions. You hear us say it all the time. Um, and they're getting crafty guys. Here's some things I'm seeing. Things that are typically a seller's expense. Um, buyers because they don't necessarily want to escalate or they're, you know, in their budget area of their, their price for their sales offer. But maybe they're like, I'll cover the septic inspection or survey, survey, you know, that's 500 bucks to a thousand bucks or so, whatever the size of the property is that the seller might think, Oh, that's kind of nice. Right. It's those little things, those nuances and details of an offer that 
take time to go through and confirm with your agent to make sure that that's what you're going to do and you're going to actually do what you say. But you might have offers that are all very similarly priced, but it's those little things we tease out and that's what wins offers. And you got to think creatively that way. Yeah. What are some other examples of things that you've been seeing, Josh, that sometimes you play with? Like, okay. Because sometimes survey, you can't waive the survey because a lot of times people are, their financing, if their financing has to have a new survey. But paying for it is one that I see. Or credits, you know, credits at, credits at closing, which mm-hmm. I mean is typically how that, how that happens anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just... What are you? What extras are you willing willing to negotiate? Right? And yeah, it, I mean, there's other things that you kind of have to read. What's going on with the listing? Where's the seller going? What's their motivation? I've had buyers, call, agents call me up, and I've done it on behalf of my buyers. What does your seller need? Yeah, quick closing. What are they slow, looking for? Slow, quick closing. Slow closing. Post close occupancy. Yeah. Rent back. Attorneys are going to hate that, but you know, in this market, we can work through it. Maybe. Well, and you know, with an agreement and a rent back, you know, you can make that work. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a little extra work on the attorney side because you want to make sure that that's legal and you don't get, you know, jerked around. I've seen things like <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of homes that. Um, are occupied still or have belongings. Maybe it's an estate. Maybe it's somebody that isn't capable or has the funds of clearing the home. So I've seen in many offers recently where they, they will clear the home out for the seller. Yeah, what do you want, a dumpster? You want a truck? <laughs> I buy your truck. Which, when that's what's impeding a seller from moving forward, or what, that's a huge value cost. That's a time and money. Two hundred and fifty bucks. Right. So you know? you're seeing you're <laughs> seeing different creative solutions. Yeah. So I think you know in those multiple offers, I've just witnessed it on one of my own listings. They all came in very similarly, and then they started differing in their approach of what's covered and what's not. Um, and then, lo and behold, guys, you'll see um, contingent offers still not popularly being accepted. Uh, seller's concessions, I'm not seeing them working, even when you build them up and over. It's tough. Um, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of conventional um, and cash coming through. And, and in the end, it's not to say that cash is always going to be king. It's A lot of times folks think, well, I'm a cash buyer. There's a lot of value added there to the seller for that reason because it's going to be no appraisal, maybe a quicker close, and they just know it's going to close. They are not contingent on the bank. Right. But also, if they're trying to lowball with cash, you might have a financed offer that's far greater than the cash offer, and so that might get countered. Well, and, the, and the cash offer might say, no, this is what I'm doing, take it or leave it, and then you might end up with the financed offer anyway because it's higher in price and better terms and conditions. And with a financed offer with a healthy EMD, it earns money to buy. For those yep. who don't know what down EMD payment, is. yeah, yeah, and a, and a healthy down payment. It, financing is less of a concern, other than you'll have to go through underwriting, and yeah. it's fine if you've offered within whatever. It's an appraisal isn't going to be an issue. You don't think there's going to be a terrible gap or any gap. Let let's do that. Let it roll. Because honestly, it's going to take forty five to sixty days to close. Anyways, yes, it's not. There's not uh, in my experience. Cash doesn't 
expedite it that much more. 15 days? I can wait 15 days for $30,000 more. That's true. You know, that's I, true. <laughs> I think it's the appraisal stuff. I think it's when in in multiple offer situation where people are concerned and, and I don't know a whole lot of people that can just reach in their pocket and cover a gap. Emotionally, no. they want the house. They need the house. They're going to do what's necessary. They can borrow that level of money, but if it doesn't appraise, and now what? At least the seller has confidence that that's not going to be an issue with a cash offer. Right. Absolutely. And so really, that's that's the top five things we're seeing. There's yes, still- the wave contingencies, wave the inspection, wave the septic, wave the well, wave everything, wave away. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're seeing that. And so if you're not at that level of comfort to do any of that, you don't you don't try to compete with that. You have to, again, put forth your best offer. But, but because you're doing that doesn't mean somebody won't. And it's not because the seller has anything to hide, like I've always said. It's because, all right, that's a cost savings. It's Time is money. If there's not a finding as a result of a home inspection that I'm going to have to shell out to do X, Y, Z, then we're, we're one week closer to closing. That's right. what it's about. And so I, we, Josh and I talk about this all the time. We'll never discourage We'll never tell a client to waive a home inspection. That's your personal choice. That's your level of comfort. We're going to make you sign the waiver that you decided to do that. Yeah, we'll never encourage. We will never encourage that because no. that could be a, a ten to twenty to thirty. Big, uh, we big don't time know. lesson. Big you know, dollar mistake. You should mistake. know what you're buying, especially if you're a first time home buyer and you don't know a lot about houses and what these things are. And every house is different, guys. Sometimes we're going in these houses and we're not quite sure what we're seeing. Right. It just depends. What is that roof held up with? Right. So, you know, <laughs> but might that be the thing that you had an offer that was so close in, in sales price and other terms and conditions to another one, but that one waived the home inspection and you didn't? Yeah. Don't say you didn't know. My favorite, my favorite trick, if you're not paying attention, is the waived home inspection on an FHA financed mortgage. Ooh, tell us more. <laughs> because you know it's kind I'm, of like you know exactly yeah, it's, a, what I'm it's, a, it's a very it's a, nuanced flavor. Not, it's a, on the surface, it's a waived contingency. However, with a thread of we're going to get it anyways. Yes, and so because beca- of the appraisal process being so of, stringent. Yes, the FHA inspection and appraisal process includes some of the things that would be covered in an inspection. Yep. Now we all know the common things in an FHA inspection are paint, peeling paint. Yeah. Whoop de freaking do. Well. But they're also gonna include structural and safety things. Yes, code Hand, handrail code, structural and safety. Mm-hmm. And so those things are the big things you're gonna request in a home inspection and a peanut anyways. Yeah. So there you go. You're gonna get it anyways. There's and if a little loophole. And if you're not paying attention on the surface, that can look more enticing. But when you look at the financing type and you see FHA. You know, your experienced real estate agent is going to be like, oh, okay, great. You know, but it's a thing. It's That's a nice. Thing. It's a thing. To, it's a thing to try, and you <laughs> got to and you got to try it because it we're get all about offer. getting creative. Yeah, it might get the offer. Yeah, because the other thing you don't have is going to be a peanut. Then mm-hmm. you, you're not going to have you're not going to have a property inspection notice and addendum right without the home it, inspection. It's so one it's less just, loop, right? Yep. It's exactly. one less loop, so there's something there, too. So, you know, some tips in, in light of our top five here of why it's tough for you guys. Buyers beware. Low inventory, high prices, or or, or low pricing, you know. Fast-paced market, multiple offers, wave contingencies. I want to speak to the fact that you've got to create wiggle room for you to be able to negotiate. 
I think that's huge. If you're going right in at the tippy top of something, you got no room to go. You're, you're going to lose offers over and over again. It's not going to feel great. So yeah. don't do that. So you've got to be looking at houses where you've got power to negotiate. Absolutely. And it's not just sales price. It's in all the little nuanced things we were just talking about. That's, that's the thing. Do your due diligence. Make sure that you're having these quality conversations with your agent. If you don't understand something, why is the house priced this way? Why do you think it's going to go higher? Have those conversations and have them ignosium before you put your offer in. Because who are you going home with? Right. The offer you brought. Don't change it midstream, okay? Be laser-specific in your budget, your location, your financing. Stick with it. Please don't midstream. Change your financing right in the middle of the offer and things like That's that. That's going to make a list agent upset. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, you can, and it might blow up in your face. I'm not never saying never, but these are the things that you've really got to have those conversations up front, being prepared. I say it over, and I save it over, and I say it over. Um, and the appraisals, you know? What's going to happen if you're emotionally ready up so high, but how are you going to cover that if it doesn't appraise if you're lending the money? And I'll just say, you know, sometimes maybe you have to change a financing company or whatever, you know, but what's going to save you the trouble there and the anger and frustration from both sides and every side is communication. Yes. It's communication, it's communication, it's communication. If you're going to do that, you need to communicate with your buyer's agent so that the agent can communicate with the listing agent. Hey, I just want to know this is coming through down the pipe. It's okay. We've ar- I've already sorted it out. We've vetted this. It's good. It's going through. We just had an issue right. with the other company. Right. And so now we're going this way, but it's same, same. Sure. Right? We're not going FHA yes, to conventional. We know FHA that things to conventional. Happen. You know, we're, we're staying in the same lane and we're doing this. Right. I think that's, that's going to make a lot a situation a weird awkward situation a lot better communication absolutely it's it, things do happen guys we're not saying that we're perfect you're perfect that you go in there and it's got to be absolutely by the book um, as as it planned we always have plan B through Z but there are certain things that are non-negotiables that you've got to go up front and, and commit to if you want to be successful and strategic in your home search to get under contract sooner than later yeah that's our top five. I don't know what you guys are seeing out there. What are your opinions? Because we really want to hear them. Uh, you know, hit us on social. Uh, what is it? Get-, Get Real Estate Podcast on yep. Instagram um, and on Facebook. So please check us out. Follow us there. Subscribe to where you ever get your podcast, Apple or otherwise. Yes. Um, it's the Get Real Estate Podcast with Gavin and Josh. So please uh, review, subscribe, and give us some feedback because we'd like to know what you're experiencing out there. What are your tips and tricks? Send us a message on Facebook and or email us your questions at podcast at gmail.com. We really do want to want to hear from you guys. We want to see what you're, we want to hear what you're feeling. Uh, we like to hear from all sides of it. You know, you guys get to hear us talk about what we're doing, but we really want to see, you know, what, what are you guys, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, we don't, we don't, we're not the all knowing whatever. So if you've got some tips and tricks that have worked for you, um, something that you've heard from a different agent or experiencing in a different market, let us know. Cause we would love to pick your brains about that. And it doesn't matter who you are, buyers, sellers, agents, 
Enthusiasts. Profe- industry professionals. That's right. Come on, talk to us yeah, and let we us wanna, know what, what, we, what we need to cover. We want to help our buyers get into homes sooner than later, but we want you to do it in a way that you're preserving yourself, <laughs> keeping your stamina going, and being really happy about the process. So Gavin and I felt really passionate about this episode today, and we just had to get on here and, and tell you what we think, and, and we're really glad that you're here to listen to us. But um, yeah, until next time. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Bye, everyone.